You are about to opt in to Monerotopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Are common. Don't forget to properly secure your private key. Don't forget to properly secure your private key. Monerotopia starts Monerotopia now. starts now. Aloha, my right. friends. Morning. Cheers. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday out there. They're watching us or listening to us on Spaces. We're drinking our Colombian. Yeah, the coffee. Colombian coffee. It's Pretty really good, tasty, guys. yeah. It's really good. Just got a new batch, I guess, oh, earlier this week. Bless it. That wasn't know. from the coffee. Um, yeah, no, it's really good. It's got like a little... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? It has a little sweetness to it. It's, it's really, really good. good. It's very tasty. <sighs> yeah, so, yeah, so now we have, yeah, we have the Guatemalan farm, but we currently don't have any of those beans in stock because we're waiting for them to finish the harvest. Although we might abandon them all together, we'll see, right? We'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's we'll been see. A, it's been a little bit of a struggle working with them, which is why we set out to get other farms. Um, <laughs> and now we have a uh, Colombian farm on board, which they're pretty awesome. Uh, we met them through somebody in the crypto community uh, that lives down in Colombia, and he really helped us out. He got the farm on board. We haven't given them their wallets yet for tips. So for now, any coffee that's bought that comes from the Colombian farm, it's just going to go all into a wallet. So there will be some trust involved, but you know, we're not, we're not in the business of stealing <laughs> Colombian farmers. <laughs> 50 cent tips. I promise you that. So there is, a, but initially there's going to be some trust involved. Uh, but then we're going to be headed down to Colombia at some point and we will distribute the wallets to the workers on that farm. And then we will, uh, you know, transfer any tip point and hopefully need to work with them. Um, and then there's a Mexican farm, which that we visited when we went down to Mexico, when we found the Got venue. lots of mosquito bites. Oh, my God. We went <laughs> into the jungle, straight up into the jungle, yeah. guys. I was wearing a dress, guys. I didn't expect. The, the coffee I mean, farm was, is on a, in a jungle hell, on a yeah. mountainside. It was, it's yeah, like it was huge. Crazy. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Uh, and that coffee uh, we're working on, we haven't had it shipped to us yet. But we're going to have the first batch of it going at a Narco Poco, actually. Yes. We were talking about that, I think, two shows two weeks ago. Ahead. Yeah, two weekends ago. We're going to have Neil, who does our roasting. He's going to be down at a Narco Poco representing us. I can't go because of my ankle. Sunita is not going to go without me, I don't think. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'll go yeah, to Mexico either. during the conference. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want you down at a Narco Poco without me, to be, to be honest. Woo! <laughs> Pretty. It's an interesting site. It was fun day. when we went. It, it was oh, really it's nice. amazing. Yeah, we met a yeah. lot of cool it's people. Cool, it was fun. We had a great vibe. time. Yeah. Very cool vibe. Uh, open-minded, cool people. Uh, so there's going to be – we worked out a deal with them, uh, an Arcapoco. So they're going to have a table at Monerotopia. In exchange, they basically gave us a t- at an Arcapoco, uh, which is going to be a Monero table. So we're representing the you know Monero community down there. Neil's going to be down there. He'll be doing the coffee thing, but he's also going to be onboarding people to Monero, uh, you know, having them download Monero.com or Cake Wallet and sending them some Monero. That should be cool. We're working on some other ideas with that. Mike, the mural we were talking about. Yeah. 
Um, lots of plans, you know. For, lots of things, lots of things. Man, we things. keep going. So that's an Arcapoca. If you're going to be down there, definitely come over to the Monero Talk table and say Monerotopia table or whatever and say hello. Uh, actually, if you're going to be down there, reach out to us beforehand so we can put you in touch with Neil. Maybe you want to hang out with him a little bit, help him out. He's going to need some help, uh, especially if he's onboarding people to Monero. Yeah, so email us at yeah, con- so that's, con- contact at gratuitous.org. Yeah, you don't have to you know sit at the table the whole time. <laughs> I mean, an Arcapoco, I think, is like six days. It's like two weeks. No, I don't it's know. It's two like goes weeks. On forever. It's two weeks. So at some point, if you want to hang at the Monero table and help for a few hours here and there, uh, reach out to us. We'll put you in touch with me. Say hello to him when you're down there. I'm sure you'll work it out. Sure, he'll be um, excited. What else? Monerotopia. Monerotopia. What else? What else? What else? Monerotopia's coming along. Monerotopia. It's coming along, yeah. Kind of ignore the website a little bit. It's in transition. It up. We apologize. Uh, but we did add, if you scroll down. Well, we we want to announce also his like, beautiful flyers. Yeah, so dark that's time. what I want to say. So I'll open that. Can you, um, uh, you should no. show the full... Yeah, I can. I, I probably can. Give me a second. Just keep talking. Yeah, so we, uh, <laughs> Siddhartha made a beautiful flyer for us. Um, for those in the Monero community that don't know Siddhartha, he's kind of like the Monero, Monero artist of, of Monero. Uh, he did the privacy protest flyer for us, the protest that never happened. Uh, <laughs> but we, we gave it another shot. Um, so now he made us this flyer. Obviously, you know, we, we pay him for his work. He does amazing work. Uh, and it's, it's beautiful. And so the idea with the flyer, we put it on the website, but we also want to maybe get this out and about in Mexico City, uh, try to get it hung up, at least at the venue, around the venue. The venue, I think, as we explained, city center, so poster outside, well, outside of the venue, maybe get somebody, you know, posting them up around town. I don't know how that works. Yeah. Be possible. You're not able to bring it up. I'm trying to right now. It's just using a different platform, so... Okay. Um, so yeah, he'll, uh, yeah, we'll see if you up, reach out to us for that. So if you're in Mexico City and you want to help hang up some posters, I know it sounds like, uh, kind of, you know, uh, maybe not the most productive thing to do, but you'd be surprised. Every little bit helps. It'd be cool to have them out there, out and about. Um, and then so part of, part of the idea of Monerotopia, is to make the conference super accessible. So accessible to the Monero community itself. That's why the general assembly or general uh, access ticket is, you know, we're keeping it capped at $99. So, I mean, compared to other crypto conferences. Oh, yeah, it's really cheap. Yeah, yeah. Really cheap. Here's a flyer. And we won't raise that <laughs> price anymore. So $99. Bucks. Uh, so we want to, you know, anybody that's interested, this should be no excuse, right? You can come. And then additionally, we added a $25 ticket. But that's for like locals. So we're asking that people don't take advantage of that. Um, that's really just, you know, for people that are local to Mexico, um, or we'll say, you know, South Central America that somehow made their way to the conference. Uh, but it shouldn't be people that kind of like flew in that are, you know, we, we ask that you buy the regular ticket because, you know, we don't want to go broke here during the conference. We do have, we are getting sponsored from, uh, some of the people that will have tables and stuff, but, Still, we're, we're trying to make the conference as affordable as possible. Uh, but we ask that, you know, you guys, people don't take advantage. So the low, the local price is for anybody that, you know, uh, can't afford it otherwise. Super cheap, $25 that we might test you at the door. You might, we might ask you to sing the Mexican national anthem or something to see if you're actually truly <laughs> local. Um, but yeah. Help get the word out on that. So any, if anybody's a Spanish, you know, Spanish, 
dis- uh, Latin <laughs> American descent. You have connections that knows down there. Spanish, yeah. Get the word out on this. If you have friends in Mexico City, locals that are in those. I think last show we were talking to a uh, guy from Decred who's going to be uh, helping us out with getting the word out to the local Mexicans. But also, if there's anybody else out there, please reach out or just do it on your own. You go on the website, uh, copy the folder, copy the, um, the flyer poster, and go ahead and share it on your own. And that's what I, that's I think. That's really it. I mean, obviously, yeah. we're, we're adding speakers every day. We're adding section. We're going to add the a works, yeah. section to the website showing the workshops. So as of now, there's going to be a Monero 101 workshop, which is really going to be for these noobs, these locals that we're trying to get. We're going to have Spanish speakers helping us out, volunteering, so they can talk to the locals and they'll, they'll teach them about Monero, very basic, just like when we go to conferences, get them to download a wallet, and we'll send them, a, you know, a few dollars worth of Monero, so they have their first transaction, and just teach them best practices, writing down their private key, etc. Uh, then we're going to have kind of like a more advanced Monero workshop, where people can learn how to run a, a full node, support the Monero network, or mine with P2Pool, things like that, so supporting the Monero network. Then we're going to have a privacy best practices uh, workshop. Uh, we have somebody that's going to be doing, what's the guy's name? The, the, Wait, what, which one? the privacy workshop. Um, got him on board. I forget. Hold on. <laughs> uh, whoever you are, we had a great combo the other day. Sorry, guys. We got to, we talked to a lot of people. Talk- yeah, bear with us. If you do reach out, we're going to get back to you just a lot. It's endless work, out. guys, trying to communicate. Every second. But they're going to be running the, the best privacy. It's not, it's not set for privacy, but it's going to kind of be like a set for privacy type style, uh, workshop. Uh, cause Seth is going to be down there, but you know, he'll be doing other things. Uh, he's going to give a talk. I'm sure he'll be helping out with the oh, workshops. Man. Uh, was that? Was it? Yeah, I think we it was. spoke to earlier this yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. there you yeah. go. Um, I so he's going to be running that. <laughs> and then we also have another work- workshop that's going to be run by NIM. Cause NIM's going to be down there. They're going to have a table. So they want to do a workshop teaching people how to use NIM. NIM is, you know, kind of like a, a new twist on, on Tor, decentralized version uh, that's self-propelling, so to speak. Um, so won't go into the NIM project now. We've had uh, some of the people that work on it before on the show. Maybe we'll have them on soon as kind of to ramp up to Monerotopia, but they'll be down there, super cool people, definitely cypherpunks, um, and they'll be doing a workshop. And that concludes <laughs> Your rant. the hour-long rant on the Monerotopia <laughs> updates. As always, guys, we ask that if you're going to go, please just pull the trigger as soon as possible just so we know how many, have an idea. How many yeah. people expect. Please just get the word out on it. I, I, I just don't want it to be like that people that are into Monero don't even know it's happening. Yeah. If they know it's happening and they don't want to go, sure, that's fine. But worse would be like they just never came across it. And I think Monero is such a off the radar community that you'd be surprised. A lot of people end up not coming across these things. They don't really go on social media much. They're not out there. They're not watching the Monero talk, Monero Topia YouTube videos, right? They're, they're like, you know, head down working on their whatever cypherpunk stuff, whatever they're doing. They're, they're off the radar. So we ask that the community itself kind of spreads the word. We want everybody to know about it. And then, as always, and, reach out to yeah, us. Reach out to us if you want to volunteer. We need volunteers. Um, and obviously, yeah, if you want to be a part of the conference itself. But email us at monerotopia at protonmail.com. Monerotopia at protonmail.com. For any, any reason. For any reason. Right. Even yeah. just to say hi. Well, no, we love the email. Don't do that. We get enough, we get enough emails. <laughs> I appreciate them. Although uh, it's a lot. Yeah. But. 
Uh, someone's asking where you got your shirt. I got it for you for Christmas, but it was actually on Amazon. It's actually a pretty good shirt. <laughs> I know Amazon. He's, Sorry, he's guys. I admitted pay it. to buy an Amazon. There card, you go. At least first. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Cause you know, let me add that to the list of random things. <laughs> Anyways, right. let's move on to the price report. The Monerotopia price report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat peer to peer. Hello, hello, buddy. What's going on? How are you? Happy Saturday. I'm good. Happy Saturday morning. Happy Saturday morning. Okay, take it away, my friend. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we got XMR USD. We're looking at the weekly time frame. Um, okay, so XMR USD weekly time frame. It basically a big rising triangle. Um, the hope here is that we break this resistance and then we head towards the top. Let's go to the shorter time frame so we can see that more clearly. So we're very close. Technically, we've just pumped a tiny bit above the sloping, the downsloping resistance. And with any luck, this will continue. I am a little bit concerned right now about how much longer this pump can continue. But for now, um, I've taken some profit on my shitcoins. Uh, but Monero, I'm just going to let this thing ride. It's my hodl. I figure I can trade all the other crap, but you know, Monero should, it, Monero deserves more than my degenerate trading practices. So um, here you can see a little bit closer. We've basically, we've broken one day above this. We want to hold a little bit further. I think it's still very possible that we can come back down to this line right here. I think everything really depends on what happens with the rest of cryptocurrency. So we can also take a look at XMR BTC. And even though we've had a lot of complaints from the community about this recent drop, the reality is that we're sitting at 008. Uh, so that's really a great place compared to where we were for the past couple of years. And it's possible, again, like we talked about last week, it's possible we might need to come back down to this area. If we do, that would probably happen because the rest of cryptocurrency pumped significantly. Uh, so that's it's kind of a good problem to have, unless you only have Monero, uh, which I guess some people only have Monero and that's fine. In terms of making mad gains, I think it's a good idea to participate in some of the other craziness, uh, but that's a personal decision. Let's go a little bit closer time frame. So this is looking a little bit to me like it's out of exhaustion, right? This big move that's happened here, we're already pumping back to the upside. It, it looks to me like Monero should have a little bit of a rebound here. At the same time, by saying that, it's very possible that we'll be seeing the not the end of, but a pullback in the broader market. So I guess maybe I went a little bit out of order because um, I keep talking about the macro because uh, that is influencing things right now. But that's fine. Uh, I love Monero, so we can just start here. XMR versus ETH. You notice I kind of had to redraw these lines a little bit, but we're still sitting in a very clear pattern, this, this rising wedge pattern right here. So... Uh, Looks like we're going to stay here for a little bit, maybe keep doing this. At some point, it's going to break one way or the other. It's such a long time frame, if you'll notice, that this area right here is May. So perhaps we get a nice big run in stocks and crypto. Monero just kind of holds this inside uh, rising wedge. And then perhaps whenever this run is done, maybe it's in May, maybe it's over here in June, I think that would be a good opportunity for Monero to continue its bull run versus Bitcoin and versus Ethereum. So we can go ahead and look at the divergences. One thing I've done here is that I've changed the look back. So this is 2,880 timeframe periods, and we're on the five-minute candles. 
So I believe this is the 10 day. If you do the math on this, I believe we're looking back the average of every five minutes uh, for the past 10 days. Or sorry, not the average, but the closing differential in crack in price versus these other exchanges for every five minute increment. And so if you multiply uh, that, if you multiply that out, this should be 10 days, I think. Don't quote me on that because I, I probably have that wrong or something. Anyways, the point of this is that you can see that exchanges, including Binance and Red, since about the New Year's, like right around January 4th, it looks like, they went into positive divergences and they basically just stayed here overall. Now, one thing that I, this chart that I've showed you before, usually had something like 24 or 48, which would be the two and four hours. And if we go to that, you can see that it oscillates much more around the zero point. So you have to kind of expand the look back in the time frame. You have to average everything out to really get the broader picture of what's happening. But overall, we continue to see positive price divergences. Now, this actually has me concerned just a little bit because are they accumulating Monero and do they intend to hold on to that? Are the exchanges going to use this at some point to try and sell it back down? How much can they do that? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But that is something that's a phenomenon that we saw. Now, unfortunately, I can't take a look at this exact chart on the five-minute timeframes all the way back to 2020. Um, TradingView just doesn't provide the data back that far. But um, it, it is a bit of a concern. Uh, I do wonder how much Monero they might be acquiring with the intention of later suppressing the price while they're pumping other things. We'll just have to wait and see on that. For now, our price looks good. Our, even though we've had a pullback in XMR BTC ratio, uh, things are still looking great there. So really can't complain about that. We, uh, we're sitting here with, on Bitfinex, more longs than we have shorts. And that changed again right at the new year. And so that's looking nice. Overall, the XMR dominance across the whole space, we broke through this very, very long uh, descending resistance. It looks like we might be turning that into support right here. We would want to see price uh, get above the kind of this area right here that we were just at. We'll see if that plays out or not. Uh, the, the other big part, the other big place to see on this chart is what we thought was the bottom of the XMR dominance chart. So that's the dotted line. Uh, we definitely would like to see us come up here. I think it's going to be difficult to get past this area. Um, I'm not saying that we don't, but it will probably pose significant resistance, especially since we're seeing the rest of cryptocurrency um, making big moves. So the thing that should be on people's mind is how much longer can these moves continue? So um, with that, let's go ahead and expand to the macro, and then we'll at the end talk about crypto, and we'll try and figure out what might be some good plays there. Let's start with Dixie, uh, the dollar index. So we're on the weekly time frame. I wanted to zoom out a little bit today so that we could get a better picture of how this thing looks. You can see we're kind of in this big rising wedge pattern. This was the cryptocurrency and stocks bull market. We broke down from that just a little bit, but then it came right back. So it looks a little bit like that could be, <laughs> that was probably some kind of uh, manipulation by insiders or who knows? Maybe not. Uh, currency markets are huge, so it's a lot harder to manipulate those than, say, cryptocurrency markets. Uh, so overall, we're sitting at this resistance right here. And that would kind of get us the indication that the dollar might be ready to start going up a little bit. It might bounce off of this resistance line here. 
you would think, well, why wouldn't we just drop down like we did last time? And the answer is because we're not in a 2020 situation where they're massively expanding the M2 and printing money. And we're not, we don't have the whole hype cycle going into a massive bull market. This would be a very natural place for the dollar index to find some support and then maybe take uh, a rebound. If you remember, I was saying for really for quite a while that I was expecting the dollar to eventually bounce back to the upside. And it was a few weeks ago when we saw this peak that just got rejected. And we said, okay, this probably means the dollar index is going down further. And that's the reason why I personally didn't take any profit after having got back into the market for the past few weeks. At this moment, um, I actually have taken a little bit of profit. It just seems too responsible. I know that cryptocurrency can sometimes just do 2x, 5x, whatever. Um, but we've had such a nice run that, again, it just looks like it was time to at least lock in some of those profits, uh, especially with the potential that we could be sitting at support on the dollar index and maybe we have another rebound here. There's a couple other confluence things happening at that area. So uh, let's, let's unlock some of these shorter time, turn off the big macro stuff, and then we'll look at the shorter time. All right, so we're on the four hour chart now. And dollar's basically been in this channel and it's actually been on the downside of this channel. And so it, it does look like it's kind of rolling under. It does look like it's starting to find support. Breaking, like one of the first things you would expect to see is to break on the upside of this sort of the splitter of this channel right here. It's not exactly a splitter, right? Cause it's not straight down the middle. Um, but it is kind of like your interim resistance line. So breaking above that is really, if you're trading, that's a sign that you would want to think about taking profit, getting out of the market. You've had such nice gains if you got in um, at the times I was recommending end of December. Some people were even buying all through December. So, you know, it, it's never, they say it's never wrong to take profit. All right. Now, even though the dollar index is showing us the potential for a turnaround temporarily, the overnight repurchase agreements at the Federal Reserve have basically continued to do what we expected. Um, again, that was an exhaustion wick. That was uh, sort of a fake out against the momentum, which had already rolled over on the standard deviation bands. And you can see we kind of stayed here at the one CDEF, uh, standard deviation, and then we are now below that. So essentially, these are trending down, right? Overnight repurchase agreements are trending down. So that money has to go somewhere. Now, I guess institutions could just hold it and change it into bonds or something. And probably a lot of them have done that. But a lot of them also redeploy this cash into the stock market and to risk assets. They drop it into leverage. And again, this is anti-correlated with positive movement in stocks and crypto. Now, you can also see that we are getting close to the, to the bottom side of this uh, broadening megaphone pattern. So it's possible that we could find some support down there and maybe this makes a temporary correction. Again, the way that everything is unfolding any kind of bounce here would probably be temporary, and then we would see stocks and crypto continue to move to the upside. Now, what might drive this in a fundamental sense? We have the Federal Reserve meeting next week on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and I think the consensus is either 25 basis points or 50 basis points. So uh, we'll talk about this a bit more, but it does look like there's potential for some fear going into that meeting. And we can see it in some of the charts, the way, the way they're unfolding. So uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on it. Again, it's another reason why I thought it was a good idea to take some profit. But overall, things still look pretty good. Like there's 
everything's setting up just fine for us to continue making a nice run. We probably just need a little, a healthy pullback right here. Uh, we're looking at oil. If you remember, we talked about we, we want to stay in this channel right here. And so far, that's holding just nicely. We, we really don't want to break to the upside of this. So that's looking nice. Nothing, uh, nothing exciting there, but that's exactly how we want. All right, let's take a look at gold. This is the monthly time frame. So you can see that we've got basically a, a large rising triangle here. We bounced off the support. The gold chart is an example, a really good example of two things as regards pleb lines. So you'll notice that we have two lines here uh, and that I drew them in different places because it's hard to say exactly which one is the quote unquote right one to draw. You can also see that they sort of meet up, they connect down at this point right here. And then finally, they were, this bottom line was useful for having some kind of predictive power or some kind of understanding over what was happening as gold broke down from really what would probably seem like the more natural line. Uh, normally you might look at this chart and you might think, okay, I'll connect the ultimate low right here and then we'll connect it to this point. And then you break down from that and you might say, oh no, gold is broken down. The, the chart's about to, to really just take a dump and uh, I better get out of gold. This is a very common thing that I see. You really want to, you want to find other peaks that happened just before the most recent, like absolute low, or it could even be possible that this spot right there, maybe that could have actually bottomed down here. And then you would still just connect uh, the other line here uh, to that point. So again, it's just pled lines. They can be difficult to know for sure which is the right one to draw. So try and draw a bunch of them. Uh, think about it, erase them, draw them again, have a coffee, come back to it. Uh, let's go to the shorter time frame though. So again, we're pushing up towards this area right here and the momentum is slowed down. I'm not entirely sure that we are gonna make it all the way to the top, but it again, it's probably one of these things where we just need to see a little bit of a cool off period and then maybe sometime after the Fed meeting next week, perhaps 10 days, uh, right, not next week, but the week after, uh, perhaps we'll find some support and then gold will make it towards the top of this range. And again, this is probably taking uh, profit-taking territory. Uh, so overall, again, gold is kind of giving us um, a congruent picture with, with everything else that uh, we're just, we're looking at a short-term reversal of the overall trend that's been happening in January. We can go to, um, you know, we'll save, we'll save stocks for last, actually. Let's go to crypto. Go to totals. Okay. Yeah, so this is the weekly time frame on total. Very big picture view. You can see that, again, we talked about how we broke down from that. Uh, the very long rising support. And now we're kind of in this zone. And I'm not really sure um, where things go from here. Like I said, it, it wouldn't be wrong to take profit. I am still letting some of my trading stack ride here because there's the potential for, for things to go all the way to the top of this range here. Uh, and if it does, um, there's a good chance I'll take some profit there. Um, that would probably happen sometime in the next few days. Uh, by the time Monday comes around, where we could really be looking at, uh, at further pullback in stocks. So there's really nothing too exciting about this chart. Yeah, okay, so you can also draw kind of like this ultimate final resistance right here, which would sort of be this line. That should act as some kind of resistance, especially if we get there anytime soon. Uh, but we'll just have to see. Bitcoin. Yeah, we kind of did the same thing with Bitcoin over here, where you can draw kind of this most shallow line by using not the blow off top, but the spot right before there and then right here. 
So again, that just gives you an area to be conscious of when you start approaching that. Maybe we take another pump here. That again would probably be a good spot for a pullback. We will have to see. But I can't give you any like really confident predictions about where the market is going right now. Um, it seemed like a very solid play to be getting into the market for the past few weeks. It's gone so far. It's it's really difficult to say that uh, anyone should be buying right here, to be honest. All right. Last thing we'll take a look at is stocks, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. So we actually finally broke this spot right here. Um, that was really important. We kept talking about how we need to break this resistance. We finally got through that. And the question is, are we going to keep on going? Now, I've seen a lot of people comparing to the 2001 and 2000 um, bear market. So that's what the blue and the yellow lines are here. That's actually one of them. Look at 2001. We're really not looking at a 2008 type event right, right now. So the blue line is uh, 2001. That's what the bear market was doing in 2001. And there is a striking amount of similarity in the way that things have unfolded. I still don't see necessarily that we have to have this major dump right here. Um, but just so that people can see and be aware, things do have some kind of similarity in how the price action has unfolded. The thing that I would say is different is that the 2001 market was uh, kind of in denial for a long time. We, we actually didn't go down that far. So for example, this was just a 20% drawdown, which is technically not even a bear market when you talk about traditional assets. Uh, whereas on the other hand, we had already like where people thought that stocks were probably about to go to a new all time high, uh, back in 2001, recently we were already down 25%. So it seems like we kind of got a lot of the dump time out of the way. And then you can also see, let me, uh, hide this. You can almost call this pattern right here an inverse head and shoulders. Um, there's. It's not quite, you still have this area right here that's not entirely congruent, but it does look a little bit like an inverse head and shoulders. So I, I'm i not too convinced that we're going to have another 2000, uh, 2001 event where price just crashes down another 25% from the lows. Um, but we'll really have to wait and see how the economy unfolds, how inflation unfolds, uh, and how far the Fed raises rates, all that kind of stuff. So... Um, yeah, I guess that's about all I get, have for you guys today. Um, oh, you know, there was one more little thing that was important. Let's go to the hourly time frame. So a phenomenon that I think was happening on Friday yesterday. So everything was positive. I was personally waiting for another big Friday pump yesterday. And it looks like people didn't want to take profit until the very last second. So what happened was we were just up and up and up for the entire day. And then at the last second, um, people took profit. It's like if we go to the 15 minutes. Yeah, so it's like people were were excited. They wanted to wait. They wanted to get as much of the profit as they could, but they were kind of worried about something. And I think it was probably the Fed meeting next week. They didn't want to hold their positions over the weekend. And so they were trying to get every bit of that profit that they could, basically communicating an overall bullish mentality, but that they wanted to limit some of their risk and take some of that profit at the last thing they did on Friday before close. So overall, that's that's a very nice bullish mentality. So again, summary, I think the picture is painting that we should have some kind of small pullback right here. This would be healthy. Um, this should continue into the Fed meeting. And then hopefully if we get any kind of good news from the Fed meeting, um, they're not too hawkish. They're not trying to talk the markets down again. Um, that would be a good opportunity to get back into the markets um, if you had taken some profit. And then, uh, yeah, just see where things go from there. Awesome, man. 
And you had, you said you thought at what point do you think Monero would be able to climb again against Bitcoin? Obviously, we're seeing it right now, but I think you had mentioned earlier that we might start to see Monero climb again against Bitcoin. So for the time that we have a broader bull market or like a miniature bull market, I think that Monero is going to have the tendency to chop sideways. Right. Uh, this was a really nice move, right? And it was very sustained. It lasted for an entire year. So we probably need a little bit of consolidation right here, just from a charting perspective. Mm -hmm. So really the answer to that question is how far do we think this miniature bull market in stocks and crypto is going to go for as long as that's happening, for as long as they're increasing the leverage of the crypto system, uh, we're likely going to chop sideways. And then as soon as that starts going to the downside again, um, that's where Monero, the ratio should start to shine again. I don't have any like solid hard timeframes to say, you know, exactly where I think this will end up. I think it's probably a good guess that going into March and April, we should generally have positive momentum. Uh, and then we'll reassess as we get closer. Cinco de Mayo, right on time, right on time. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you as always. Uh, I, I love these. I know any, anybody that's like somewhat into price has got to be loving it. You do an amazing job, man. They talk about the market as a whole. You're, you're fantastic. Thanks, brother. All right. All righty. Let's, uh, move on moving. to, yeah, let's keep it moving. Body, Thank you so much. Maybe we'll see you, uh, in the, in the spaces later. Uh, yep. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Bye guys. Bye bye. All righty. Let's move on to the weekly news segment. And now for our weekly news segment. So people oh. can see your face because our camera is pretty lagged. So let people see you. I will be adding Tony right going now. Off of, okay. <laughs> hey guys. So you have someone to talk yeah, to. Yeah, idea, you won't see me, but. Tony, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm good, guys. How are you, how are you guys doing? Good, good. Yeah, hanging in there. Hanging Slow, in there. Slowly recovering from the ankle surgery. Yeah. He's a trooper. Oh, yeah. He's a trooper. He's hopping around. Yeah, I know. How was it? It was like a one-day surgery and... Yeah, it was yeah. like the surgery itself was like, you know, an hour and a half, two hours or whatever. I mean, they put me out, but, you know, it's the, it's the recovery. Like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I, gotta, I still like have like the dressing from the surgery, so I have to go in yeah. a couple of days and they'll take that off and then they'll put on a yeah. of And I can't work from home. Yeah. Even though so the whole world work. worked from home for two years during COVID. <laughs> it's like you can do it now for like one week until you recover. I work yeah. for, for, for local government, for municipal government. Uh, yeah. You know, as everybody knows, governments are <laughs> so if it was the Love private it. sector, you know, it wouldn't be everybody in the private like it wouldn't be thinking twice. Like, yeah, sure. Why are we why are we going to ask you to to come into work when you can use the internet? Uh, yeah, of course. But regardless, you still have one leg. You're kicking ass with the other leg. <laughs> you can't yeah. leave the other one. So <laughs> he's awesome. doing well. He's hopping around everywhere. Yes. Take it away, man. What Take do we got? Away. A lot of news. Yeah. Yeah. Share the screen, my friend. Um. Okay, perfect. I'm seeing in the chat, uh, Foxcoit, uh, Southpadre Tony, Anon is on Twitter. Hey, everybody. It's good to see you. Um, let's get into the news. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk is, um, Ethereum's, um, self-address proposal by Vitalik Buterin. We talked about it last week and we looked over the blog. Um, but I just want to quickly mention this article from Coindesk. Essentially, um, Vitalik wants to implement self-addresses to Ethereum, he wants to make um, NFTs, he wants to add pri privacy to, to NFTs, to Ethereum name services, domain names. Um, but I'm just curious in the beginning when they developed 
when he developed Ethereum? Did he not think about privacy and he thought about it only now, or was it a technical difficulty to implement privacy and he was only be, being able to implement it now? That's what I'm thinking. Because these are very smart people, and how can you only think about privacy now when it's such an important thing? And um, Tony uh, Warstutter, an Ethereum researcher, also reviewed uh, Buterin's blog post, said that um, self-addresses have great potential to be used in every transaction in which interaction between two parties should not be revealed to the public. And um, he talked about buying coffee at supermarkets and people not spying on, on while you bought, essentially. Ah, so never, see... I never would have thought of that. That's a good idea, Ethereum, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I love that they don't even mention Monero. Maybe just, like, mention Monero. Be like, you know, which Monero has been, you know, implemented self-addresses, whatever, seven years ago and has been using... But again, like, was it a technical difficulty that they didn't implement privacy in the, be in the beginning or did they just not think about privacy at all? Which is concerning because you should think if you're... Yeah, I, I think it was mind. more so the, the technical difficulty at the time, right? They were focused on, they were making different design decisions. They definitely were not focused on privacy. I think they were well aware of the fact that it lacked it and, uh, yes, you know, this yes. idea they would add it later, which, you know, we talk about all the time maybe isn't the best strategy if you want your protocol to be private by, you know, on the protocol level. Yes. But So we'll see. Maybe they're going to implement it. Uh, we'll see if it's going to have a backdoor, what's going to happen with um, their implementation and how they're going to do it. But um, one thing that you can do is you can use Monero. You can go on Cake Wallet and you can buy, like, Gobi underscore boy, all your groceries for the month with Monero. And uh, guys, I'm going to show, uh, for the people watching on Twitter, I'm going on my Monero wallet app. I'm just going to show for the new people how the uh, gift card payment system looks like. I'm not sure if you can see, it was just slightly, but there's a bunch of gift cards and you can, you can pay at Adidas, you can pay at Chipotle, you can pay at a lot of places uh, using CakePay. You just get uh, the gift card and you're ready to go, which is amazing. So you can basically live off Monero. We have absolutely no ex excuses. And uh, it used to be only in the US and now it's in um, Europe too. So that's that's awesome to hear. And people are using it like this person um, on like hardcore. Like, <laughs> it's no joke to use it for Want, want to show it again? Because I was, I was playing around with the... Show oh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. I was yeah. just trying to figure out the setting there, but now you're on the screen. Yep, there we go. There you go. I'm watching on my secondary oh, screen. There you go. Can you, can you see it? Yep. Okay. So there's a lot of them, like a lot of them, guys. Adidas, uh, you can buy clothes, you can buy food, you can buy a lot of things using use, using CakePay. Uh, pizza, Subway, Domino's, like whatever you want. Yeah, no, all, all you need is an email address. Just that. Uh, to sign up. You know, you don't need to give any KYC AML. So you could effectively these gift cards anonymously and on the spot at purchase. And then you could also go on the on the website as well. And there you can buy not through the app yet. I'm sure it'll be they're working on adding it. But there's additional, I believe, offerings if you do it through the uh, the web app as opposed to through the app. So there's even more offerings there, including buying prepaid cards. Yes, prepaid cards. Yep, and you can you can even buy for out amounts. You can do it for forty two dot. 59 or you can do it for you know whatever amount you want right right great. like a prepaid visa i mean that, that gets you you know gets you pretty anything. far yeah <laughs> anything like you can live off monero with cake pay it's crazy
It's, awesome. uh, yeah, someone's asking, how can we add more stores to CakePay? You can just email them. Um, you know, I'm sure they have a lot. Of well, no, they they use, they use an integrated service. So uh, CakePay is, I forget the company that they're teamed up with. So it's that company that would have to add. Uh, yeah, they talked about it. Uh, <laughs> what's the name of the I don't know. I forgot, but I I, I know that they, they're using um, some company and they're helping them. I forgot the name of it. But yeah, yes, if you just talk to them. That does it. But, yeah, if you have any ideas for yes. – yeah, um, I guess reach out to that company. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Send an email and yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's get to the next thing. And we actually have um, a non-shop app in on Twitter. It's good to see you, my friends. Um, this is really amazing. You can essentially uh, purchase anything anywhere in the world using Monero um, by through this company and. You can even buy uh, camera lenses, like whatever you want, online services, uh, like subscriptions to online services like Netflix and whatever you want, 8K Beamers, importing products, cars, like literally anything you want uh, through this company. And I think you mentioned, Doug, that we might have them as a guest next week. Uh, Well, no, wait, which one is this? Scroll up? Which which services? The one with Anon. Oh, the Anon shop? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're talking to them right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Right now, speak. Yeah, we'll have them, big. Uh, they'll be our special guest next week. Very cool. Yeah, they've, I've, they've been around, it looks like, for just a couple of weeks, and they're already kind of iterating, so it's very cool. It seems like they're very active, and they're, they're trying to find a product market fit and find something that works. Exactly. I think the, the idea, in theory, is, is is great, right? And it started off, I think the first service they were offering was that they would basically anonymously ship you things to your, your Amazon, right? I think so. Shipping box or whatever they call them like yes yeah yes you just have to give your your zip code and they would ship there but now they've added this concierge very cool yeah and i I like the way that they framed it that you have obtained your xmr securely kyc free and now you want this is a different one Uh, this is a different yeah tony is this this a different one i think i don't know this isn't this isn't anon shop this is uh the shop oh shopping bit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so if you click on that sorry so yeah they're they're located in poland so I, I think they're only offering in Poland, but basically what they allow oh, you to do is uh, that, you know, they have a shop where you can purchase things with Monero. Well, now you move to Anon shop, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, this is, okay, this is Anon shop. Yep, sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah no worries. But that, that other service seems pretty interesting too. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. they're, they added a concierge service, but I think it's only for Poland. Uh, but in reading it, you know, it's not like completely anonymous. Like they, obviously they know who you are. Um, I think, well, it's like they, they do the ordering for you, but if you, if you read it, it's like, it's just like they're, you're trusting them. So you're ordering through them. They know who you are. Then they go buy it. And then you're just trusting that they, you know, won't reveal who you are. And they say that they're in yeah. every 30 days or whatever, which is, you know, cool tech. They've been around for a long time. So very excited to see because I think they're originally just Bitcoin based. Now they've added Monero. But yeah, Anon Shop, different yes. concept, just Monero based. They're the ones that started with this offering of just anonymously shipping to uh, your Amazon box um you know those things are like located in like whole foods and stuff so you would just give your your zip code and it ships there they don't know who you are other than the zip code you're asking to ship to and then you go pick it up but now they added this concierge service which is pretty cool i don't know if anybody's tried it out yet uh but i love the concept these are certainly things i've thought of uh you know but yeah you know i think a lot of people uh have ideas in the space and this is just perfect example of just run with it 
you know, put up a minimal viable product, get it going, see if you can make it work. Yep, absolutely. And actually someone purchased a Google Pixel 6 on the website, on an Unshop, um, PlayStation 5, an SSD. Uh, so I'm happy that people are using it. And it's a beautiful website as well. And um, it's exciting. I'm excited to, to them hopping on the show uh, next time. Yeah, kudos to them. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, so let's talk about more bomb news. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So, Someone tried to get an end miner for the people um, on Twitter. I'm showing an image of an S9. That's an um, an ASIC for Bitcoin. And um, someone tried to get it through airport security and flying with it. And it's kind of dusty and has some dirt. So I assume it looks like a bomb that was pulled from the ground and has a fan on it. And <laughs> they're trying to run away with it. Uh, the person that actually um, was able to fly with it. Uh, but then we have uh, Jan Niculescu that tweeted that he just came back from Romania and he managed to smuggle two Monero miners, which is a CPU. <laughs> the CPU, nobody's going to ask anything because it doesn't look like... His phone. His smartphone yeah. and his CPU. I mean, it's just so funny, right? Like, this shows you another another way in which Monero is obfuscated, right? So even, even yes. the equipment that's used to mine it, uh, there's no way of determining whether or not you have it, right? It's like, oh, it's a computer. Yeah, you can just say it's for sounds, gaming. It's which for sounds work. absurd, but, you know, it's, it's just an added layer of security. Anybody anywhere with the CPU can can opt, can opt in uh, permission without permission to start mining Monero and travel with their mining equipment, and they wouldn't be noticed as, exactly. uh, as a miner. Exactly. And if, the, if, if they let this guy travel with the S9, I think they should let me travel with the mural. <laughs> let's not get it. Uh, I'm not gonna get into that. I just no, want to get this. Yeah, I'm not gonna get into that. Um, but let's. I'm gonna play the first minute of um, for the people. On, unless, on, wait, hold on. I'll put it out there right now. Unless oh somebody God. wants to drive that mural up to up to our house in New York <laughs> from Miami. I think on right. We were getting replies for a thousand dollars. So it. For every, you'd have to be able to, you know, beat that price of thousand dollars to pay in a Monero. Uh, you include, you have to go rent, rent the truck. Maybe you have one. You fit in a van. You fit in a van. <laughs> a van. And then you have to drive it up from Miami to New York. Hey, could be a way to. I don't know how much profit you make after gas and all that stuff, but it could be a fun adventure. Stirring it out there. And then we'll, we'll have you on the show as you arrive. We'll <laughs> you, you'll be our special guest on Monerotopia. All sweaty, tired. All right. <laughs> so you want to yep. play the video? This is oh, yes. Oh, but it's not. Is it showing? Yes. Yes, it is showing up. Okay, I'm going to show the first minute. Um, so this is um, Jordan... Walker, I think his name is, Pfizer director, and he talks about mutating COVID-19 virus for new vaccines, essentially. So let's watch the first 30 seconds to one minute. This Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID? Well, that's not what we say to the public. No. Don't tell anyone this story. We're going to publish it on the public. We're storing, like, now, you know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're storing is, like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can put the undeveloped developed vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of, like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating be like very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't create something like you know it's everywhere. Something it's crazy. It's the way that the virus spreads. To be honest, like it's, it makes no sense that this virus just popped out of nowhere. Like yeah, I know. Meet Jordan Tristan Walker. Yep. 
So this was the video. It's insane. I'm not even sure how it was filmed. They maybe must have had <laughs> like a pen with a, the guy must have had a pen with a camera and he had it in his, his uh, shirt pockets. Yeah, I'd be curious. Like, how did yeah. he gain his trust and everything? It is like, I was he, just released. He was talking like he was talking to a, you know, kind like of a, a friend. friend. Yeah. He was just friend. Like, hey, yeah. We're both drunk. Just tell me what you do in your business. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I guess, yeah, I don't know. But this is insane that the fact that he said that he wants to, it would mutate COVID-19 virus for new vaccines. Uh, what's insane is you still have idiots out there, sheep that are going to, you know, watch yeah. this. Yeah. And still, still kind of be in disbelief and think that, you know, there were, there nothing, there was no wrong that happened. Uh, they, you know, the pharmaceutical companies are on, on our side. The, the state's looking out for our best interests. And that's, that's the scary part, right? Is that even with this evidence, like right in our face, you're still going to have those that are going to ignore this and be like, no, uh, you know, they, they were looking out for our best interests, which yes. is, is just wild. I mean, it's, it's all, all of like kind of all of our, our worst conspiracy theories are, are <laughs> coming true, right? It's before our right. eyes. It's insane. And the way he's just saying it so casually, like it's nothing. Oh yeah, we're going to mutate it and whatever. I don't like new vaccines. It's, and he's laughing about it. So yeah, he's basically saying how they're admitting how they're doing gain of function research, saying, you know, look, this, maybe this is probably what happened, uh, how COVID got out in the first place in Wuhan. And actually, we're doing the same thing over here. I hope it doesn't happen again. Uh, yeah. and, you know, it's just, it's just showing that there really is no moral compass. And why should there be? I mean, this is how it works. You know, this, this is, you have this large mega company, uh, with infinite power, infinite money that has its, you know, tentacles into the, the government, you know, the regulatory bodies that are supposed to regulate them. There's complete regulatory yes. capture there. And all the, you know, regulations and rules that they're creating are just going to be benefiting these companies and perpetuating things forward, which is actually analogous. We had this week, we had, uh, we did a show on, what's it called? Bitcoin Fog. So it was pretty yes. interesting. Yeah. So Bitcoin Fog is a mixer from like 2013, you know, centralized. And they recently accused this guy Roman of being the one who runs it, whether or not he was or not. I mean, we had, we had the, his attorneys on and they're, you know, they're pretty steadfast saying that he's innocent and that they were basically incorrect, you know, uh, using chain analysis to accuse him of this crime when there really wasn't any hard evidence that connected him. And where the story really gets interesting is that it could be the first time that chain analytics is, is on trial for the first time as to, you know, what, what precedent gets set there in terms of, you know, what can be used in a court of law to prove somebody, uh, is, to prove somebody is or isn't part of a crime via cryptocurrency using chain analytics. And they, they just, you know, Tor is, is the name of the, the, the attorney. Um, He's just, you know, kind of gotten on this rabbit hole and is realizing how corrupt chain analytics industry is and how analogous to this, they're basically tied into the regulators. You know, Arctic Mine kind of talks about this a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's the way the ecosystem works is the chain analytics companies have an incentive to uh, influence the regula regulators, right? 
and then the regulators are incentivized to, to listen to what the chain analytics companies want them to do. Because a lot of these guys that work in regulation then end up going and getting jobs for these companies on the outside. So you saw, you see that with the pharmaceutical companies, right? But now you're seeing that with things like chain analytics. So these same guys that are the insiders that are, you know, uh, public servants that are the regulators that are making the rules, determining, you know, what regulations, KYC, AML, whatever it is, uh, banking regulations that need to, new banking regulations that need to come down with regards to crypto. Uh, they're being, you know, the, it's the, the these crypto uh, tracing companies that are whispering in their ears, telling them what the regulation sh should be. And then what ends up happening? They end up going and getting these big cushy jobs with these chain analytics companies, which become multi, multi, you know, uh, billion dollar companies, if not already. I mean, they're on their way. Uh, it, but it's literally the same exact type of system that we're seeing in place that happened with the pharmaceutical. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And actually, since you mentioned this, I really want to talk about the article that you sent me before. Uh, I want to se segue it into um, the article with the crypto AG. Oh, oh yeah, it's wild. Yeah, let's talk about this for a little bit because this is wild, wild, wild. Um, so what if Bitcoin's roots extend back over 80 years prior to the origins of the U.S. security state? This is the story of Bitcoin, the NSA, and the crypto AG. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to mention a couple things. But the story goes back to 1892. Um, to uh, Boris Caesar Wilhelm Hegelin, and then um, essentially, uh, if we go scroll down, he developed a crypto AG machine, which was it's kind of like an Enigma machine, which has um, rotor-based cipher machines to encrypt messages. And um, the conclusion of the story is that the CIA um, was paying close attention to this machine, and they wanted to backdoor it. They saw potential and in using they, the machine. They did. I think there was pretty hard evidence they eventually. They, they, they bought out, essentially took control of the company in some, some back, backdoor way, uh, eventually completely took it over and they, you know, mandated what, you know, who they could sell these machines to, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. And they even, they, they even, uh, changed the, the instructions that went along with the machine. Like they, they recommended that certain things be done uh, for certain countries using the machine, which basically al gave them, allowed them better access um, to, you know, uh, a, you know, spying into the messages that are being sent back and forth. And yeah, really where the thread ends up going. So it starts with that, that long history of, of showing that, you know, the CIA, the NSA, they've done this before, right? They've taken, mm -hmm. we've, we've seen it. We've seen it with the Snowden uh, leaks, right? Yes. There's no question, right? We know that that's what huge, powerful state governments are in the business of doing. Um, so he goes and he writes a story and he proves that it's been done before and then kind of weaves it into to Bitcoin and crypto and questioning, you know, at this point it's conspiratorial, whether or not it's it's happened again with something like Bitcoin. Obviously, people have mentioned that, right? These conspiracies with Bitcoin created by the NSA, the CIA. Um and who knows? Who knows? But he, what he's really talking about is the uh, elliptic curve that Bitcoin uses, that uh, it's it's based on, and talk and the you know showing kind of the the trail of evidence as to why it may not be so far fetched to believe that there is a potentially a backdoor in the ECC that Bitcoin uses, uh, and he points out. You know, who was, uh, you know, the creator or, or partook in creating it and how that person had created 
uh, other, you know, elliptic curves that were proven to have had a backdoor put into them. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's no hard evidence that there is one in Bitcoin. But, you know, it's it's just interesting. And I think really what the main point or takeaway is, is the tweet that I had put out with regards to this is that for those that are in Bitcoin that are maxis, um, to ignore this is is ridiculous, right? To ignore Monero in the first place has always been ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just an additional reason to look at Monero. And Fluffy Pony had had always said this as well, you know, that maybe the, the best way to look at Monero is a hedge, the ultimate hedge to Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Monero, uh, Bitcoin is capped. Monero has a tail emission. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is mined by ASICs. Monero is mined by CPUs. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin has fixed blocks. Monero's are dynamic. But, you know, Bitcoin is is fundamentally transparent on the protocol layer. Monero is private. And then even the the um, the encryption that they're based on are fundamentally different. And Bitcoin is using uh, this elliptic curve that, you know, could potentially have been backdoored, uh, whereas Monero is using one where you know I'm not I'm not wise on on all this enough to say, but the from what I'm researching is there's a less chance that this would have been a back uh, you know uh, curve, and mm-hmm. so I'm I'm hoping to do a show on that actually. If anybody knows somebody good to talk about, where we can mm-hmm. really get some strong insight into how these. Uh, you know, basically curves were developed and whether or not we should have more trust in one or the other. Uh, but it's, it's just really interesting stuff. And if nothing more, I think it's just additional evidence as to why people should look at Monero as perhaps being the, the, the best hedge to, to Bitcoin. Yes. And you, and you should doubt these technologies because countries invest millions in crypto AGs and they believe that they were getting trustworthy technology from Switzerland. Uh, but they were actually being spied by, by the CIA for the past five decades. And that's 148 countries. And the U.S. was worried about uh, the USSR and other countries spying, but they were the ones spying the whole globe for five decades. So, um, Yeah, I'm pretty, yeah, pretty so. certain the guy who wrote this thread, because I did reach out to him, I asked him if he'd come on the show. Uh, he said he, he can't do anything like that right now. But I'm pretty sure he might sh- take the same opinion of Monero itself. Mm-hmm. And would say, oh, I think I think in general he thinks all crypto is potentially kind of like backdoored. Yes, uh, yeah, and, yeah. you know, but I don't know. I don't know if that uh, you know. I don't know if there's if I think there's hope. You know, I think there's perhaps there were, uh, you know, really smart crypto guys that on their own in an open source way cr- created things that we can right. trust. But you know, I'm not intelligent enough to to know that. But I, w- I would love to find somebody who can speak about that intelligently. Right, right. Okay. Um, now let's talk about uh, Norway, uh, CBDC, and sorry, central banks, CBDC. Uh, Norway has been working on CBDC since 2016, so for a long time, uh, when it was one of the first countries to even work on it. And But n- we are raising privacy questions, their CBDC product, because um, essentially they want to heavily regulate it, KYC it, and... The article talks about many fintech companies moving to um, places like Switzerland or outside because um, it just not, it's just not a viable place for a business. Um, they do have lower energy costs, uh, free education, but the tax burden is, is so high. 
And then um, we have a quote in the article that says the Norwegian Central Bank CBDC project can also pose a threat to the legal status of private stablecoins in the country. The introduction of a CBDC may prompt increased regulation and oversight in private stablecoins, making it harder for these companies to operate. Um, and then uh, they will force uh, KYC. They uh, essentially don't want you to have privacy. Um, and then we have the last uh, sentence that says that the CBDC of Norway will not only offer less privacy for a single customer, but at the same time, less public transparency with regard to, to blockchain. Um, so they'll have their CBDC. Uh, Nordic countries are heavily investing in um, cashless solutions, and it's not going to be the one in which you're going to have your own privacy. And, you know, like it's going to be transparent to them and they'll have their own privacy, most likely. Um, so Norway is heavily going into it. Um, Saudi Central Bank is still researching CBDC, although they have done, they have had projects in the past. And um, the project's name is called Project Abra in 2019. And the report said that there was a significant improvement over centralized payment systems in terms of architectural or architectural resilience. Um, so they've done tests in the past with CBDCs. They have found positive um, effects that it would have over the economy. Uh, but I guess they're still <laughs> thinking about um, deploying one or, well, but ultimately I think that they, they will because the whole world is going to yeah, everybody, everybody's moving towards it. If you go back to the Norway one for, for a second, what, what I yes. thought was kind of funny about is, you know, you have this bank, If you, there was a quote there, and it was one of the, the banks talking about how um, this was 50 million krona in circulation. Uh, I can't remember. Norges Bank can only count for 40% of its use. This means that 60% of money usage is outside of any control. So they're concerned about that cash. They don't like the idea of cash because, you know, you can okay. use it in, in, in ways that they can't see. Uh, and then the bank, the, 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 the same bank goes on to say how they like, they're okay with accepting Bitcoin and selling Bitcoin, right? By KYC ML. So showing that the banks are, they're not concerned about Bitcoin. Right? Yes. They're concerned about cash because you can't see it. You can't see how people are using it. But they're also, that same bank is also not concerned about Bitcoin, obviously, because they offer like the sale of Bitcoin. Um, and then they also want to make a CBDC. So it just kind of shows you that banks really aren't concerned about all crypto. They're not concerned about Bitcoin. Right. Uh, and they, they, they don't, they don't, you know, they, they don't like the idea of, of cash. They don't like the idea of true digital cash. Right. And so then trust that they're going to make a CBDC that has cash like, you know, features is why there'd be absolutely no reason to trust them when literally they're saying the reason they want to create a CBDC is because cash can't be tracked and traced. Exactly. Exactly. That it's still privacy. Exactly. Trust. And this, uh, this article also talks about, uh, banks in the, in the past, um, slowly not accepting cash. And I think only a bank in Oslo was accepting cash at some point. And the rest, major banks were just rejecting cash. So they definitely want to go uh, cashless. Crazy. And, um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but let's go back into, let's go back into Monero. We finished CBDCs for this week. Um, let's talk about a fast desktop point of sale app. And there's actually two projects that I want to mention within this post. One called Lumo, which is Esperanto for light. I like that, uh, the person used Esperanto because Monero is also, is also in Esperanto and it means money. And Lumo's 
essentially self-hosted, a semi-transparent and auditable Monero wallet. It's for donations and charity purposes so that you can, um, the, the donor is protected, but then, um, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is this is very cool. Yeah, basically turns yeah. an arrow into into Bitcoin <laughs> for when you need it. Well, yeah, like a Bitcoin Bitcoin esque kind of. Yeah. yeah. So maybe yeah. maybe you know once it comes a little further along, we could implement be one of the first users. Gratuitous could be a yes. good, uh, use case. Yes, absolutely. Yes, and then they also have a project called um, Casejo Caseo. Um, I think Caseo most probably if it's in Esperanto. Uh, it means cash desk checkout. And it's an open source uh, point of sale app for receiving and tracking Monero sales and payments in in person. And here's the website for the people watching on Twitter. Uh, you can go to ksejo.com. It's a beautiful, simplistic website, and it's open source. And it's so, not ready yet, though, right? Because I know he's been talking about it for a long time. Um, no, right? Uh, right. Development is still going on. No, it's not ready yet. No. So it's a longer yeah, development. We definitely have to have him on at some point. I know he's been talking about this for a while now. <laughs> yeah, so for sure. There's progress being made. For sure. So. And then the last thing that I want to mention is um, someone that I thought <laughs> was actually <laughs> a Monero, uh, Monero Chen, Monero Bro, Monerista. And um, he tweeted Monero. And it, it really depends on how you read it. Because many people thought that this is a Monero person. Monero. It runs the dark web, but I just use it to buy groceries. Or you can say, um, it runs the dark web, yes, of course, but I just use it to buy groceries, which means that, yes, it does power the dark web. People use it for those nefarious activities, but I use it to buy groceries, so it depends on your use case. But he meant it in the way that it runs the dark web. Criminals are using it, but I'm just using it to buy groceries. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> you can't possibly be using Monero in a non-illegal you know, illegal way, is what he was suggesting, which it's exactly. just... Like, look at this guy. Like, his account, right? If you zoom in, John W. If you go through his tweets, like, he acts all hard and like he's like this super tough, hard, anonymous dude. And then like, he just says like this most boot state boot licking thing possible, right? Like, it, so he he's opposed to a crypto that could be could potentially be used for criminal purposes. Is that is that essentially what he's saying? Like, I, I don't understand this. Per, I don't understand it this person you know and he's a he's a big he's a big btc maxi so like what is he what does he believe in it's just that just that it's limp bitcoin is limited so it's going to go up in value so he doesn't let like this this character in in bitcoin <laughs> land just frustrates me to the to the 10th degree and like they act like they're these like tough cypherpunk individuals that yeah. are like out there like like hoping for the revolution or something and meanwhile they're not okay with the fact that something like Monero might be used for criminal things and suggesting, well, it was just built for those purposes. And if it's used for those purposes, that means it's only used. It's completely ridiculous. I mean, the first use case of Bitcoin was for dark market purposes. That's when people first got excited about it because they're like, wow, look, here's something that you weren't able to do before Bitcoin, right? It proved the use case. You weren't, you can't, you couldn't set up a dark market with Visa or Venmo. It'd be impossible or PayPal. And now with this tech, you were able to set that up and approve that it did something that these other things couldn't do. And now it's also proven that actually it didn't do that well, right? As people are mm -hmm. still getting caught. Like we saw, you know, with this, the guest we just had with the BTC mixer from 2013, people still getting caught from using that in 2013. Crazy, crazy. 
and here this this guy is is like pointing out try, and trying to insult Monero people and you know and suggest that this <laughs> law of of Bitcoin, I mean uh, of Monero, right? It's it's I don't know. But if you do find it funny, you can buy a T-shirt. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be on gratuitous.org. <laughs> Um, um, for the people watching on Twitter, uh, Doug made a picture of uh, a <laughs> the Monero logo and it says it runs the dark web and underneath the Monero logo, but I just use it to buy groceries and the name of, uh, of the person. <laughs> I realize you're an artist. Oh, no, I realize that's why you use cameras. <laughs> he asked me. No, I use one of those. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but we should we'll have this as the general admission uh, t-shirts. If you don't have one, you can enter. Like we had the, uh, what do we have last year? The circular things, the little uh, the buttons, pins, the buttons. Yeah, we should have this. And if you don't have this t-shirt on, you can't enter the, the <laughs> conference. <laughs> we could, we could make this That's the actually not terrible, yeah. swag, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I invited the guy to the conference. I said, ticket, ticket on me if you want to come. Thank you for the amazing. <laughs> yeah, honestly, but. You should be open to all technologies, even if you don't agree with, you know, some things. But it does, like, one more thing that I'll mention, and that, that'll be it for this week. Um, if you go on Monero, it doesn't say on the white paper, it was made for dark web. Only use it for dark web. If you want to buy groceries, you can, but you just use it for dark web. It doesn't say that, you know? Yes, so awesome. that's it for this week, guys. Uh, the links are in the description. Thank you so much for joining us, and um, we'll see you awesome. next time. All right. Thank, thank you, that. Tony. You're the bomb. <laughs> Have a good one. Adios. You too. All right. All right. Let's uh, bring on our, our guest. They've been waiting patiently. <laughs> the Monerotopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. Hi, Ashley. Hello. I think you're muted. Yep. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can. Thank you for patiently waiting. Thank you waiting. for patiently waiting. I, I was dying. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said it runs the dark web and I should use it. <laughs> that that is, is hilarious. Funny. I missed that tweet. <laughs> BTC Maxis have completely lost it. Oh, lost that it. is funny. I need that shirt, man. I really do. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> we'll get it up. We'll get it up. Now we know it's popular. <laughs> I so, was glad I was muted. I was dumb. <laughs> so sorry. I can't like compose myself. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, Ashley, who who are you? We don't we don't even know. Go ahead and give a, a quick. Um. Wait, what is it? Are you like asking me like what I do or? <laughs> well, I don't know. What's yeah, your story? I guess. Yeah. yeah. An intro. Yeah. yeah. You know, we so know, people we know, know who you we are. You're into privacy. You run the, uh, I guess, the avoid the hack website, right? Yeah, I, I do. It's it's just me. Yeah. Um, I'm not asking for. That's your why there's so many typos. <laughs> <laughs> you want my social? I, that's fine. All you know, everybody has it now because of Experian, know, right? TransUnion, and you know, it's fine. I guess. Um. Me, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just some young cybersecurity professional that's just into privacy. Awesome, really. It. I kind of started. Find your yeah, how'd, yeah. How'd you get passionate? About it? Um, by accident. Uh, I'm actually pretty new to the actual cybersecurity like professional space. For I, I was always in the tech. Okay, I guess I'll just start at the beginning. I was always <laughs> in the tech. Like I, I'm a big, big, big gamer. Um. 
and I've always like been into computers, not necessarily hacking, but like gaming. And then once everything, like when social media started to come out, I was kind of like, okay, this rubs me the wrong way. Cause I was always told, Hey, like you don't share personal info on the net. So I, I was really late coming to social media. Um, I'm still a millennial, though I'm not like super, I don't want to say old. I don't want to fit anybody. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I like, I was really late coming to social media just because I'm, I'm, I'm naturally, I'm a very private person. Uh, it, it causes a lot of issues with my family, right? Cause they're like, Oh, you don't tell us things. And I'm like, well, you know, it's not your business. So I've always been that type of person. So it took me a long time to like even come around to the idea of getting on social media, like a name on the internet. And then I got to college and I went through this phase of, Oh, everything on the internet's great. So I did too much on the internet. Um, so like, I'm still kind of feeling the blowbacks from that. I was never doxxed or anything. Um, but yeah, so then I moved into the workforce. I got caught up in this OSINT outfit and I realized just how much data is out there because for you know, governments buy for data, everyone wants data. And now that's just freely available and how easy it is to get, I don't know, it just kind of scared me. So I went from there and I actually started to avoid the hack right when I have officially crossed over into cybersecurity from like my OSINT outfit. And it just kind of grew from there. I kind of started by accident. The name is, was a joke uh, in the office that I worked in. So yeah, that, that's me, I guess. Awesome. And so what, what are kind of your, your quick and dirty recommendations to maintain privacy on the internet? Um, so I kind of specialize in like web exploitation so a lot of like my recommendations come from for like browsers and like controlling controlling the devices network connections which is actually really hard these days uh, especially when it comes to like iot devices and smartphones so my biggest recommendation is to stop using google chrome and microsoft edge i hate chromium actually so i try not to recommend brave but i know a lot of people need to use chromium because of the state of um, browser engines these days. So I'm a diehard Firefox fan. I acknowledge its um, its shortcomings. So I like to recommend LibreWolf for people that don't want to tweak the settings. Um, I also really recommend an ad blocker. Uh, if those are like the only two things that I can recommend anybody, that would be it. Those are like two, two easy, low-hanging fruit things to... Yeah. Because LibreWolf, it comes with uBlock Origin installed. So, you know, you, you download that. It's already tweaked um, for privacy. And then you block some ads. And then if you want to get crazy, um, you can set up, you don't have to set up a pie hole, but you can set up um, like an encrypted DNS resolver or point to it. Um, actually, there's, uh, I'm losing like my train of thought. <laughs> No worries, no worries. <laughs> someone, someone in the comments is saying about uh, Brave. Oh, Brave, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I so I know, I, I don't want to give people the wrong impression. Like, Brave is a decent browser. Um, I've looked into it. Um, like, I, I've analyzed it. Uh, it it's, it's a decent browser for what it is. The issue I have with Brave is all the whistles it comes with. Um, it makes a lot of connections, which, to be fair, 
they just released their proc, like the, I think they released the source code for their proxy service, which is, I don't want to say it's anonymous, but it is privacy respecting. But as opposed to something like Liberwolf that doesn't make all those connections, it doesn't come with all those bells and whistles in a browser. Um, like, I, I don't, like, having a browser just make so many background connections is just a red flag for me, personally. But I know that there are people out there that just want to download the browser and be able to do everything in the browser. So it's hard for me not to recommend. But I, I, I don't like Chromium as an engine in general. So I'm kind of biased. Got it, got it, got it. How about um, so so that's browser. What what do you what would you say is the is the next thing people should kind of concentrate on if they're trying to gain privacy in the digital realm? Um, blocking ads actually. Um, I I don't know if anybody saw, but FBI actually put out a pin their privacy private industry notification. I think it's what that stands for. To like, hey, like you might want to use an ad blocker because there's been this massive phishing campaign across uh, search engine ads. Um, and they're very, and how like the UI for Google is, um, or even if you use something like Start Page, because Start Page pulls Google ads if you don't use an ad blocker. So you'll see them. Uh, they look like results. I've clicked on a few. You know, I'm like pretty, like, hey, I like to think I'm decently well versed. I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I've clicked on a few. And it takes you to, takes you to like, malware domains like try to do drive-by downloads um you know like posing as false software but actually like it's dropping information stealers like redline or vidar um it's easy to get caught up in that so the easiest way not to get caught up in it is to just block it just don't see it and then how about um like search engine itself so not just the browser but which search engine that you recommend? Um, personally, I'm a Mojik stan. Of, if anybody follows me on Twitter, you see me constantly interacting with. They have a great. Uh, the guy who runs their Twitter is a great guy. He's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like Mojik, but I know it lacks search intent um, for the average person. So I usually just recommend um, Start Page. I used to recommend DuckDuckGo, but what happened um, last summer with that was like the final straw for me. So like, I still recommend it because it's better than going to Bing. Um, but all, all the stuff that's come out over the last couple of years with them, it's just, it's kind of hard to be like, yeah, just use DuckDuckGo. So I usually just recommend Mojik for the adventurous and start page. If you like need search intent. Awesome. I have a like, uh, email messengers, like signal type things. Which um, for it depends on what you're trying to do. Right. So I know, like, my mom is a signal stand now, but I can't get her onto something like Session, right? Um, I would prefer Session, personally, because it doesn't require any kind of PII at all, whereas Signal is very private. Um, their protocols are very respected, um, but they do require a phone number. Now, the phone number doesn't have to be SIM connected. Fortunately, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be connected to a SIM. So like if you try to register, so when I, what I mean by that is if you try to register for something like WhatsApp with a VoIP number, um, I don't know how they do it. My guess is they have a database and they will say, Hey, it looks like a VoIP number. You can't register. Google does the same thing. If you try to register for a um, Google account with a VoIP number. I really don't know how they do it. 
Um, I guess it's very proprietary. <laughs> um, the signal doesn't do that. So if you want to register with a VoIP number, um, it, it will still send a confirmation code there. But it's just a fact that it requires one. That kind of runs me the wrong way. Yeah, yeah it's an extra step. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still recommend it, though. Like, yeah, for, for like, I don't want to say the normal people out there, but for, like, the normal people out there, like, in comparison to WhatsApp, it's leaps and bounds greater. And it's no tweaking. That's the thing. Like, you can download Signal, put a number in, and you have good privacy for your messages, like, just right, just like that right off the bat. Yeah. Um, same thing with session though, but I know like sessions, it's different. Um, sessions. Good. Uh, yeah. I, I love session. Yeah. I, I talk to people on session well, all the time. Kind of new, so it's like lots of, it's still, we're, we're going to have, we're going to have them at Monero. Yeah. We're going to have, oh, oxygen. oh, yeah. I mean, gonna... It's not totally finalized. Yeah. It's not confirmed, yeah. but we're in yeah. the works. Yeah. I, I love session. Actually. Yeah. They're going to have, a, they're gonna have a table. Oxygen is going to have a table and you know, they're the people behind session. They're going to give, I think, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that should be cool. Yeah. Oh, that that sounds that sounds yep. really cool. Um, I know they're also behind LokiNet, which I've been yes. I've yes. been looking into. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, for like some technical details, it actually hooks into the so Tor. Let me start here. Tor uh can only do TCP traffic, right? So it can really only do traffic like in the browser because it is a browser. Whereas LokiNet hooks into um it can do TCP, UDP, and ICMP traffic so it pretty much all the normal traffic that any given computer can have so it can actually give you a non not not amenity is that, am i saying that right it can give you <laughs> it can give you that across the whole device whether it's just in a browser um because it it actually it hooks into the um hooks into the dns resolver and everything's pretty cool um awesome. but yeah and do, do you uh do you recommend vpns or do you think they're just kind of uh you know maybe uh just another party that's just grabbing all your information. I so I try to look at it like this, right? Your ISP is not your friend. Um, they already, even without knowing, uh, I hope I'm going I'm to answer your question, but I just want to like explain this first. So like your ISP is not your friend, right? And they're not necessarily configured for any kind of security or really privacy. They know who you are, where you live. Uh, you can't like pay in Monero, so you know they got a payment like a debit card connected to you. So they actually know a lot about you. And then to route your internet traffic through them too. Um, and in the U.S. Making it too. I, I love it. <laughs> it's, like. The, it's like in the U.S., um, they can actually sell like not, they can actually sell your data to whoever. They're allowed to. Um, I think that came into effect in sometime when um, something got, I, I don't have the, I don't know the details. I think it's the FCC, something got repealed and now they can do that. So they can, they can sell like, they can collect advertising profiles based off of your browsing data and sell it off. So you're better off using a VPN, but then you don't want to like use something like Nord VPN. Uh, I probably shouldn't like name drop like that, but, um, <laughs> um, if you're going to use a VPN, you should be really, 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 you should look into who the provider is. I, I usually recommend the, the big three is what I call them. Proton, IVPN, and Molvad. Molvad. I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but IVPN and Molvad, they actually accept Monero. So. Yeah, we were sponsored by IVPN for some time. They're, they're really good. So yeah, we would, 
we tend to recommend them, and it's great that they accept Monero. Yeah, um, I really like um, I really like how they go about account creation. It's just you know you click a button, you get like a you don't have to register with like an email or anything. Um, now I don't I don't want to like slight Proton because I'm a big fan because I actually use Proton Mail. That's like my main mailbox, but I also use Tutanota and um, and Skiff. I, I really do like Skiff. It's kind of newer on the scene. They launched. I think their mail service like seven or eight months ago. Hmm. Um, but yeah, their, uh, their white paper is pretty legit. Um, and to be in the U.S. and providing that kind of privacy. Now, I mean, Signal is also U.S.-based, but it's a nonprofit. It's pretty cool. What, what do you think about the you know theories of uh, CIA, NSA, NSA having back doors <laughs> into various technologies? I mean, do you think... Uh... You know, even with things like uh, Signal, potentially. Today we were talking about Bitcoin, right? That, I mean, that's a crazy conspiracy. But I'm just curious, what what are your thoughts? Man, uh, <laughs> it's I it's like I can see it. I can see it. I mean, you know, the CIA got busted in the 70s for spying on private citizens. Um. FBI, too, I think in the 80s. And then there's the whole thing with DEA introducing, like, if you ever seen um that show where it's, like, DEA and they introduce, like, cocaine into black communities and stuff because they were organizing. And, you know, it's just, I can see it. I, I don't I don't know what else to say. I don't, I, I like, I don't want to be that person that's like, yeah, they're definitely da 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 And then you guys are like, well, that crazy girl from Avoid the Hex. No, I don't. It's plausible, right? I, I mean, it really Plus is. The thing about conspiracy, like you don't want to lose credibility, but at the same time, you know, that's <laughs> why it, it's dangerous because they they just throw all conspiracy theories into the same bucket, right? So anybody that that has one, it's now it's like you're there's no way to have a legitimate theory, right? Because you're just called the crazy yeah. person, uh, which is is very convenient for people that might actually be performing conspiracy, <laughs> like really <laughs> carrying them out, right? It's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't type thing. Um, but I'll just say it's plausible. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, like, everything is gravy, like, you know, with the government. Um, Which is why the most important thing, I think, you know, is that these things really truly be open source and vetted by, you know, large communities. So, you know, it's not just agents that are controlling it, but there's, you know, a lot of individuals that are looking at it and you, you just trust in large numbers that people enough people are looking at it and then overall it will tend towards uh you know not having something like a backdoor if it's vetted enough yeah i i 100 agree i think open source i think open source is the future um but to backpedal like open source actually is the backbone of our current infrastructure a lot of people don't know that so they think oh open source is like this new thing like no like the internet is technically open source, technically. <laughs> I'm not very technical, like, kind of, like, kind of. So, like, most, most proprietary things, like, Microsoft, um, like, any, any, like, proprietary software has some sort of open source component in, in it. I challenge somebody to find something that is completely, like, closed source. They never used any kind of open source at all. Even Windows. Yeah, not possible. Yeah, it's just, so open source, I'm like, <laughs> there's like this image, I don't know if you've ever seen it, it's like all the comp- all the tech companies, and then it's like a little leg, and it's like an open source dev, like it's supporting all of them, 
all of like this infrastructure we've gotten used to. Actually, any chance we see you down at Veneratopia? Uh, th- there's a possibility. I'm supposed to be traveling and um around that time, but that's very tentative. Um, so yeah, there, there's a there's a possibility. I've never been to Mexico. Awesome, we'd love to have you down there. Um, yeah, we're doing a, one of the workshop is going to be on like privacy best practices. Do you, do you speak Spanish by any chance? Uh, <laughs> like I, I was pretty good at it when, when I was in, uh, when I was in grade school. Okay. All right. If you come down there, please, maybe you can help us out. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd give you a free ticket if you're willing to do that. That'd be awesome. Just, uh, I mean, most of the conference is going to be in English, but we're trying to get locals to come too. So we want, we want people there that can kind of like help, uh, explain some of these that that's really cool i i wholeheartedly believe that privacy is for everybody 100 um, yeah especially for the vulnerable out there and however you want to take that whether you're a minority in any way or you have a dissident opinion from you know the the norm like those are the people that need privacy the most right it protects the minority yeah it's, it's really it's i i get i get kind of um I get kind of emotional, you know, when people are like, no, privacy is bad. I'm like, no, it's like, it's actually human. Like, it's a very human thing to want privacy. It's not, that doesn't have anything to do with being secretive. What, yeah, what is your kind of your, your standard response to people who are like, well, you know, I got nothing to hide. So why, you know, why, why would I perpetuate some technologies to fund terrorism or drug trafficking? How do you how do you respond to that? What do you what do you tell people? A uh, lot of question, lot of questions. He <laughs> just, just handed me a very like smoking bomb. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Maybe I can use it. <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, I used to say, I used to say, hey, okay, like, what's the last email you got? What's the last text you got? From who? There's some people oh, that are. You're breaking up. Repeat what you said. Sorry, I have Comcast internet. Can you hear me? Yep. No, you're good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I used to like start peppering them with questions like, okay, like what's the last email you received? Oh, who's your bank again? Um, <laughs> you know, like, uh, unlock your phone. I want to see your, your, your call and look at me like, okay, like what, what, what? And I'm like, well, you said you don't, you don't have anything to hide. Right. right. Um, I stopped taking that approach because it's a little, um, it's a little aggressive. And sometimes people will like bite back <laughs> and I, I don't want to like approach them from like pointing fingers. Like, you know, it's kind of like a pointing fingers type thing. So I've started just saying, Hey, like that's actually not what privacy is. Like privacy is not hiding. And then usually they say, well, yes it is because da, 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 da. and I will bring up the definition of privacy and I will bring up the definition of hiding and they're actually different, very different. Um, and they'll say, Oh, well, if privacy is not hiding, then what is it? And I just tell them, like, it's natural. Like, you close the door when you go to the bathroom, right? And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. So it, I just I just took a different angle to it. Yeah, it, the most concerning part is it's it's very kind of abstract to understand why it might be a problem to have. It, right? you got to, like, stop and kind of think about it. If you're like, oh, I got nothing to hide. I'm a good person, and there's – and uh, anybody else who's a good person should have nothing to worry about. So all the good people will be fine, and it's just going to expose the criminals. But what they don't realize is kind of the dystopian outcome where you have states uh, surveilling all your 
your data and your information, and then through that, basically being able to control you and control society uh, in ways that you can't even really imagine. Uh, and so I think it's just, unfortunately, it's just kind of too abstract for people to realize, right? Like the things you're saying, like protecting the minority, minority opinions, my minority political opinions, people like it, it takes some abstract thinking to, to realize why that might be a problem. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the issue is, I think, I think it's a compounded issue, right? You can't like point your finger at one thing and be like, you know, this is why the internet sucks <laughs> um it's a very it's a it's like a it's it's difficult to explain because a lot of people don't understand the value of privacy or even security um since i am in cybersecurity until that has been forcefully taken from them so like i know a lot of people i i i've no so I, I had a friend right he never he never locked his door because he said oh i live in a good neighborhood um, you know, nobody will ever, you know, come to my house um, because, you know, I know everybody. I'm friends with everybody. Lo and behold, long story short, he got burglarized like pretty bad and they just came in through the front door. So then he was like, oh, I, he put all these locks on his doors. He had um, all these cameras. Um, he bought a ring camera, which drives me crazy. <laughs> um, uh, so, like, a lot of people don't understand how valuable their privacy or their security is until it's been taken or it's been like grossly violated where they're like, hold on, like, you know, this is traumatizing. Um, and I think, I think big tech has done a very good job. This isn't a kudos, but a very good job at make, at normalizing it. Um, cause now I'm starting to see a lot of people say, Oh, what's about Twitter? Oh, you guys are mad that, you know, Elon is trying to monetize it, but it's free. And I'm like, why are you, you know, it, it, you don't have to, just because it's free doesn't mean that they get a free pass to violate you. But since it's so invisible, a lot of people are, think they're unaffected by it or think, you know, they're immune to it and they're not. And that's the dangerous thing about it. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. Ashley, would you would you be down to jump into the Twitter spaces to talk to some people if they have some questions? Uh, yeah, I gotta. I guess I gotta turn my mic off. I bought this fancy mic and I was <laughs> very pressed to use it. <laughs> yeah, if you just yeah. move over to your phone. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a co-host request, so. I guess oh, okay. Yeah, you can that. Accept and that. We'll smoothly transition. Yeah, let's see how smooth <laughs> it's really bad. Always, always <laughs> We're always, uh... Anybody that's in the chat that wants to ask a question, please just request to speak now. I has already requested. Uh, he's become a regular on the show. Anybody else request right now mm. and then we'll, we'll bring you up once we move over there. All right. All right. Uh, gonna put on my cheesy there, segment. Thank you so much. Alrighty. It's the viewers on stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. Okay. What's up, guys? Ashley, are you over here? So you're muted. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay. All right, that was, that was smoother than most. Oh, okay. We finally got this down. Cool. <laughs> Uh, all right, Lip is requesting. Let me see. When I say I'm looking into a debit card, let me be more specific. So we're just trying to integrate just a universal chip so it don't have to be issued by, like, us or a bank. We want it just to have a chip 
and an NFC chip. Because what we're realizing now is we prefer to store our seed on an NFC chip and just like put it in something that's like tamper proof, opposed to having a seed that could be like guessed. So I just wanted some opinions or anything like that. That's all. Um, so uh like my opinion in what way? Um, sorry. Alright, so like with like the seed, like my opinion is like a twenty four to twenty five word is like more secure than like a twelve word. Even with quantum computers, definitely right. Quantum computers definitely, can even yeah. guess stuff, and I like Monero because it has like one of the longest seeds. But uh, you know how technology always advances and everything. So what I'm seeing with different uh, companies, they're getting programmers that know how to program the seed into like a NFC chip. So like when you wanted to do transactions or even send, the only way to do that is to touch the chip to whatever integration that you have meaning instead of storing your seed on your phone every time when you want to hop on an application instead of like keep on putting it into different phones that same seed and now it's more vulnerable we were looking into like coding that seed into like a like a code that only like an nfc chip could like save uh i see um it's kind of a so there's like i i can see the convenience aspect of it um i don't, I don't want to say like it's a good idea because then you know like run run off with that <laughs> like hey guys right of course, of course um i think the main issue with that is if you lose the card you know you lose your seed that you don't unless you know the seed and you store it somewhere else but then i don't know if you're really solving the problem of having the seed in multiple locations if that makes sense right yeah it really depends on how secure the application that is being built that's able to like basically card different chips. So like if that application is very easy to hack, then of course like everything's compromised. So that's why we gotta be very specific with the different people that we're about to use for providers. Yeah, um, that will definitely come down to the supply chain. Um, Cause like if, you know, if you've had multiple parties working on the software, it, yeah, I mean, I can, I can see it. I, I, I can get on board with that, honestly. Um, I'd have to like look at the details or like read the details. I'm more of like a reader. Um, but I mean, I can see how that could be useful in the real world because you, you know, you don't have to carry your tracking of, oh, I mean, your phone everywhere you go, um, to be able to make a transaction and stuff like that. So I think that's a pretty good idea in theory. Um, as long as I think the general OPSEC, general OPSEC rules would apply to that. So. Yeah, I, I think I think just general OPSEC would, would make that, like, a pretty viable solution, assuming, you know, you also don't lose it. Right, I understand. So, yeah, I've been networking with a couple people, and I even uh, reached out to Kate. You know, they uh, reached back. But uh, it's not just about that. It's about uh, actually getting developers that know how to code certain things that are, like, tamper-proof. So it's, yeah. a, it's a long process. There's nothing that's going to happen tomorrow. I think it's a pretty neat idea. Um, but, yeah, you need the, the biggest thing is, securing the seeds um yeah it's who like who it would be securing the seeds um wherever they're stored because if anybody gets access to them then you're kind of in trouble right it would defeat the purpose yeah all right well i'm gonna keep on networking with a couple of people i try to send you a a friend request or whatever you call it on the twitter space okay oh uh, yeah um I'm, I'm usually on mastodon actually <laughs> I, I i cross post from twitter to mastodon but only certain posts um but yeah i'm on twitter 
I think, reasonably. Yeah, there's so many platforms. I just got in Discord. But uh, I'm going to let anybody else talk, and I'll talk to Doug probably later. Lip, thank you so much, man. Anybody that's interested in what he's working on, uh, hit him up. Hit Lip up. Sebastian, what's going on? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. Thank you for letting me speak here. Um, I, I had a question for Avoid the Hack. Uh, I didn't catch the, the, um, the conversation from the beginning, but I was wondering if you have any experience, any experience with, uh, hardware wallets and if you use any. Um, I not. <laughs> Personally, I know that sounds bad. Uh, I just really just use Cake Wallet on my phone. I'm not a big, I only recently got into kind of like the cryptocurrency space. To be honest, two years ago, I didn't even know what Monero was. Um, and I kind of linked up with, uh, Seth for privacy and I've been in a couple of his spaces and he explained it to me and I'm like, oh, okay, this sounds like pretty legit. Um, so I don't really have any recommendations for you. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, sorry. I just thought I, I don't have any for you. Yeah. I was just wondering cause, uh, um, uh, some people have very different opinions over hardware wallets. I, I have experience with a couple, but, um, from what I've, heard some advanced users talk about them is that there's no uh, th there's there there's a possible risk that people have uh, by using hardware wallets especially if it's uh if the hardware wallet is made by a private company there's a huge risk that that people have for holding their funds in those hardware wallets and usually they promote more the, the the super advanced users they usually promote more of the true offline wallets uh without any hardware involved just a offline computer air gapped uh yeah i can see that cuz you can set up a wallet on any computer and just keep it off the network um but yeah i don't really i sorry i don't i don't really uh I'm not like I'm still learning myself, honestly. Sorry, you said Monero. Oh, Chad, go ahead, man. Yeah, go sorry, ahead. This is actually why I took on stage. It's really important being very safe and secure about their assets and their, you know, tokens that they're holding. And so, um, almost every security expert I know, and I've got a few friends in this space, will almost always tell you you have a wallet or this something you know on your phone, right? No, no, no beef with fake wallet, right? And then you can say it's a great wallet. Always, for, especially for large amounts of funds, always use hardware wallet. It, it's air gap. So yeah. please, people, make sure your hardware is up to date. Never buy a hardware, a hardware wallet on like, or Amazon. Buy directly from the retailer. Always. And please keep your capital wallets. Much more secure. Please, 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 please. Chad, what do you, what do you think? I don't know if you're familiar with it, but, uh, Maneruju's, I think it's called the Sidekick Project. I don't think they finished it yet, but basically, uh, they're developing a way to kind of turn any old Android phone that's not connected to the internet essentially into a hardware wallet. So it holds the keys and then your, your, your wallet that is connected to the internet on another, another phone. So your Maneruju app could then, you know, uh, get the keys signed by this sidekick, essentially acting as a hardware, turning a Android phone into, effectively, into a hardware wallet. I'm just curious if you have any opinion on that. I mean, that doesn't really, I think it doesn't really add any additional security that a, a ledger or a treasure or one of these kind of characters already give you, right? They're still requesting something you sign, in which case you have to actually take the action to sign it on a separate device. So I don't see that as very, probably say it's less secure just because of the hardware 
on an Android is not the same as the type of security that you have on, on a dedicated device like a, like a ledger or something similar to it. So I would say, I'd stay away from it. Especially because even if it's, even if all, even if it is just a safe, it's new. It hasn't been solidified, hasn't been tested, hasn't been, you know, hardened. Go for something that's been around for a long period of time. It's proven security, proven to be reliable. I wonder about a project like that. Um, you have a lot more ability to be more versatile with the coins that you offer, perhaps staying, like, getting your updates more often, more quickly. Uh, although if you're continually offline, how are you going to get updates onto your Android device? Uh, so I guess I would personally have those questions. There seems to be some potential that maybe maybe you could have better um, better access to more coins and, and more functionality uh, than you would with a hardware wallet. But I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? That's fair. Even though Ledger is the kind of leading hardware manufacturer right now, also have a personal hate for them just because it's all closed source. They control everything. I've worked with them personally to try to get apps built, or at least the room token, which is the one I'm part of. But like, it's a huge pain in the ass. It takes so much time. It's so difficult. I fucking hate Ledger uh, for that reason. But to be objective, the Monero app still has a. Uh... Uh, a bug that when you're sending out, sending funds out of the ledger, it always, the confirmation address on the ledger screen is incorrect. I wonder if that bug is, is still exists, but I remember a lot of people complaining about it because one of the big advantages is for you to compare the sending address on your computer or phone and on the hardware wallet screen. And I've heard a lot of people complain that it, it it would always show the wrong address and they would be all paranoid. And and some people would willingly choose not to send any any Monero out of their ledger until it's fixed because they're afraid they're gonna lose the funds. I mean, I've never I've, been, I've never heard of that personally. And if that was an issue that did exist, that would be you know fixed in a heartbeat for obvious reasons. So. If that's that, if that is a problem that somebody always is experiencing. You just update yourself and you this. And you should always keep keep up with the chip um, for these things. It's really important. Chad, while while I have you here, is there any update we could get on ThorChain with, with regards to uh, potentially integrating with Monero? I know there were some bumps in the road with the community essentially not wanting to deal with privacy coins. What's kind of the latest in there? I haven't really been following it. Um, well, so community is all for adding privacy. I think that's always been true. The question more about is like, is Thorchain ready for it, right? So the, the fear is if Thorchain adds Monero support, which I would love to see happen, uh, that that would garner, you know, new, um, uh, um, uh, scrutiny from, you know, certain alphabet soup, uh, agencies. And people kind of ask the question of like, are we decentralized enough as a protocol, you know, to withstand such, you know, uh, threats? And so, People have different ideas. I mean, we're decentralized enough that any cloud provider in the world could, could shut us down and that wouldn't affect the actual network itself, which is good. But um, I think the end goal is still, still to do it. I think there's a lot, a lot of support to get it done. Um, originally, the code was being written by the, um, the Haven team, um, but the code quality was one of our devs kind of broke off with another dev to work on the, the Haven uh, implementation themselves, just like dedicated full-time fixated on, on that kind of feature. So that's been underway for the last, like, month or two or so, something like this. 
Uh, oh, okay. The, the community is definitely behind it. The top two most requested coins are uh, changed right now is uh, Biden Smart Chain and um, and Monero. So I, I still think it's going to happen. I'm definitely going to push for it to happen. I mean, to have a decentralized way without KYC to get in and out of Monero would be, you know, would be huge. It would be massive. At liquidity, at, at volume. Yeah, yeah, that's why I ask. I think we we would all obviously love to see it. Any chance we could get Thorchain to uh, participate in Monerotopia again? We're doing it down in Mexico City in May. We'd love to to have you guys down there again in some capacity. Maybe talk about the, the latest updates, uh, the roadmap towards implementing Monero. Uh, yeah, sure, maybe. We'll, let me poke around uh, the devs and see somebody coming out to do a to do a talk or or something of the like. Awesome, man. Awesome. Thank you for for joining us here. Hey, Do we have uh, any examples of the Fed Boys targeting Monero infrastructure? No. Why well, OFAC blacklisted Tornado Cash? It's not because it's a mixer, right? Or it's got privacy or these things. It's because six billion dollars of money went for towards the rival which is a North Korean organization. So they don't really give two shits if nobody. And in Monero's case, you can't really hard to get any kind of volume. Um, you can't really get any volume in and out of. Um, Monero without using a centralized entity. And if you use a centralized entity, then you have KYC and, you know, that becomes a, a no-go for, for organizations and such. But once StoreChain supports it, well, now you have a methodology of moving large volumes of Monero, you know, in and out. So that might cause to governments to just take a look at it. Really. Does that mean that, um, the government is more likely to go after, like, the, the liquidity provider rather than the actual, um, like the Monero blockchain itself, because it seems like that would be an easier target than Monero itself. Because, you know, even if they tried like a, like a 51% attack, there's like CPUs everywhere. Yeah, I, I personally think the including Monero, that matter. Um, think about their way, uh, exchanges, and they're gonna want to come after Tornado Cash or want to come after Uniswap or these kind of things, but those things won't be fruitful for them. They'll have to just control the thing at the dollar level, the USD level. Um, I don't really consider that to be much of a threat personally, but maybe I should. The only reason I consider it a threat is, you know, maybe if we went back 10 years ago or something, you wouldn't expect them to be doing what they're doing with Tor. I mean, hosting exit nodes and, you know, trying to de-anonymize people that way. Um, but when something becomes that big of a threat, and if you look at the the deep web in their marketplaces, or so I I don't really check them out, but, um, you know, majority of them either only accept Monero or primarily accept Monero. So, um, obviously, if we're seeing that sort of adoption, that amount of money going through it and then supporting things that the government isn't really a fan of, um, that's the only reason I'd be concerned is as soon as it becomes a big enough foreign in their side, they've got basically unlimited resources because, you know, they steal everyone's money uh, to go after you. That or the chain itself, I should say. very well popular, likely, but not you can't hear me, it's in the street. Um, the reason why the, the government, uh, oh, sorry, the, um, that's what the government already looked at. Um, you know, I'm just going to pause a little bit because it's more than too loud, so. Yeah, it's a little loud right now, Chad, a little hard to hear you, and we definitely want to hear what you're saying. It's very muffled and, and low. Yeah, let so. me get on the area now. Awesome, man. Awesome. Hey, guys. Um, in the meantime, if you have any questions on YouTube um, for Ashley or for anybody, I can actually read them for you and then um, Ashley or whoever is going to answer it. But someone actually did ask uh, Ashley, Anon Mon, 
ask her what she thinks about um, of Graphene OS versus Lineage, please. Thank you. Um, that's easy. Graphene all the way. Um, so I'm a little <laughs> bit of a. I'm actually an iPhone user. I have my reasons. Um, it's not because I just have my reasons. Um, but Graphene versus Lineage. Graphene blows Lineage out the water. Um, now. If we're talking about Graphene versus, like, Divest OS, which is a fork of Lineage, it's a little bit of a closer race, but Graphene is still the overall winner. Um, Graphene has a lot of, has a, it gives you pretty much complete control over the phone, where, it, and it has a, it maintains vanilla Androids, like I'm talking, not, not Google Android, but I'm talking about the actual, like, open source Android, like, project. It maintains the security chain all the way up into runtime, um, whereas Lineage actually breaks that. Um, and most forks of Lineage break that. Buddy, go ahead. Chime in on that. So at the risk of um, starting a flame war between <laughs> Firefox and um, maybe like ungoogled Chromium, I was wondering, Ashley, what you thought about uh, Daniel McKay and what they have on the Graphene OS website where they talk about Chromium is basically one of the more secure implementations of a web browser. It might not be private because they have all the calls that go back to Google, but Vandium, for example, which is the Graphene OS web browser, they forked that from Chromium, pulled out all the Google stuff, and um, the things that I've read about it say that they have greater sandboxing, um, greater security implementation just overall in general in Chromium, whereas Firefox is kind of lagging behind a lot of these security improvements. Um, so what do you think about that? Have you ever tried ungoogled Chromium? Uh, and also kind of um, along with that, what do you think about uh, Mozilla being funded by Google and if there might be any conflicts of interest there? Um, okay, a lot of questions. I'll try to do one by one. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, so it, I've never argued that I know there's Firefox stands that have, and I'm a Firefox stand. Um, more, more like a deco stand, right? Um, they're, they're, they're not wrong. Like, it's not, I've never argued that Firefox is more secure than Chromium, but when it comes to the user experience and being able to tweak it for privacy without relying on someone else do that in the source code for you, it's better on that front. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, sandboxing, Chromium sandboxing is better on just about every device than Firefox. But then you also run into the issue of, I don't want to say what are you doing to need such strong sandboxing. Um, but it, it, yeah, I mean, Chromium is more secure. That isn't more private. In my opinion, no, because you need someone to go into the source code and be able to make it more private. Because there's a lot of stuff built into Chromium, not Chrome, but Chromium, the actual Chromium browser from Google that you just can't disable. Like you, you can't without going to the source code, modifying it. Um, the other question, sorry, what was your other question? Uh, it was, I guess it was about on Google Chromium and then, well, I guess you kind of addressed that, but uh, just more specifically about Mozilla, they seem to have kind of taken a, a more, winding path, you know, like they seem to have a lot of social agendas these days uh, instead of just being focused on the on the browser implementation. Uh, yeah, so real quick to double back on Google Chromium, I actually have a couple of write-ups on it. I think it's I think it's a great browser. I'm actually very impressed with the project, how they actually keep up 
with Chromium updates, because that's the issue with forks, right? Is that sometimes they lag behind the um the upstream. And if they lag behind too much, you start missing security updates and then, you know, you leave yourself open to potential exploitation through vulnerabilities that are otherwise patched. Um, I think that the issue with it is it, the issue is just uh, getting normies to use it. it. It requires a lot, even though it comes pretty much out the box without any Google connections, like installing inst- extensions can be a pain because there's a workaround. You have to do a workaround for that. And there's a lot of people that don't even want to tweak settings within the browser itself. And now we're asking them, hey, uh, you got to install this browser from to be able to install extensions at all on it. Now, with Mozilla and Google, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on there. Um, I still despise that Google is default search engine from Firefox for Firefox. Um, and I I think there's a little bit of a conflict of interest there because, you know, Google is paying, is paying them to be the default because Google wants to maintain its monopoly. And on the flip side, I think I'm just, this is my opinion. I think a lot of people working that aren't necessarily leadership working in Mozilla probably don't agree with it, but it's kind of like, how else are we going to pay the bills? Cause they're a nonprofit. So I think that's why they're taking this winding path because maybe they're trying to diversify. Maybe I'm looking at it with rose-colored lenses. Um, maybe they're trying to find a way, hey, how can we fund ourselves, sustain ourselves without being so reliant on pretty much our competition, keeping us afloat? So I'll take, I appreciate, I appreciate you taking the time there. Uh, one thing that I, it occurred to me that some of the listeners, um, so the difference between Chrome and Chromium, Chromium is the open source browser that Google puts out. Um, and then anyone can take that and modify it. Whereas Chrome has some components that are closed source. So it's basically Chromium, but it's also like Google's closed source take on Chromium. Uh, and then you have a whole bunch of different forks that happen from Chromium, stuff like Bandium, which is the Graphene OS browser, um, ungoogled Chromium, Iridium, and, uh, and a few others. Great info, guys. Amazing. Robbie, what do you got? Yeah, I've got a question about, um, you were mentioning that you're like an Apple user and you've got your reasons. Um, I just want your opinion on something because I haven't, I don't use Apple app, funny enough, I use Graphene on my phone, but um, there was um, recently they released, is it lockdown mode or something? Um, is that out yet? And have you had any experience with it? And what's your opinion? Because I hear it's actually pretty good. Yeah, lockdown mode is, is pretty neat. Um, it So I've, I've used it. I don't, I don't use it in my day to day. I know this is blasphemy. Like I, I kind of treat my phone like a terminal, so I try not to keep a lot of personal info on it, uh, which is hard because it's, it's a phone, right? Um, but lockdown mode is pretty good. It actually has some of the if you don't want to cross over into Android and then go the graphene route, it has pretty good fingerprint protection. Um, it, it, it's pretty good, like for what it is on a closed source operating system that. It is iOS. Um, for what it is, it, it's good. For what it is. It, but if you need more, you need to move off of iOS. I, there's no other, just no other way. Uh, so that's, uh, that's answered my question. I've always had the opinion that iOS is really good if you're just a normal person. You don't want to get it. I don't like using the term army. I always feel like I'm being like elitist. But yeah, same here. <laughs> it's really good for the normies because, you know, they can hop on, they can do their thing. 
and they don't really need to worry about it too much. And uh, Apple's kind of walked back their whole um, scanning all your pictures thing and all of that, which is um, pretty good. I'd imagine it's because they end up losing market share if they did do that. Yeah, um, so there was um, some security researchers came out a couple months ago, and Apple, so I've always had my suspicions, right? They're marketing from the privacy front, so they're not, the thing with Apple versus Google, Google's going to collect your data and sell it and keep it for themselves. So iOS actually collects quite a bit of information. Um, like they tie a, um, a unique ID to every Apple ID that uses an Apple device. Um, I'll try to find a link for you guys. It was some, it was some really interesting research, but it's not as private as we think, but is it better than running Google's flavor of Android? I'd argue yes, but is it at all on Graphene's level? Absolutely not. And there's a ceiling to how, how private you can make iOS is the main issue. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, there's another question that just popped into my head, uh, and it's just uh, popped right out. Oh, crap. I, I, if I remember, I'll come back. I'll come back. Happens to me all the time. <laughs> In the meantime, uh, we have one more question from YouTube from uh, Josue Yuman. Hello, I have a question to actually re uh, rewarding regarding using Monero on Tails. Is recommended to use the encrypted per distant partition or is better to manage the Monero wallet for the moment and erase OS data? Um, from a completely objective standpoint, in the sense is I don't know your threat model tails exists to be erased. So if you enable encrypted partition, sure it's encrypted, sure someone needs to know the password, have the keys to decrypt it, but you're kind of defeating the purpose of tails. So I'll lean more towards manage it for the moment and then just let, let Tails do its thing. Thank you. Good stuff. Good stuff. Robbie, go ahead. Yeah. So I am, I remembered my question and I'm not sure, um, if, if you'll know this or not, but, um, for, uh, if someone gets physical homes of your device, I know there's tools out there that they can use. And I'm talking about like your phone. Um, there's tools that they can use to pull the data off the phone. I know it's a little bit harder with um, Apple devices. Do you know what that's like for the um, like like graphene and like those sort of flavors of um, you know like Android that's been hardened? And if it is any harder, or because I've, I've tried to research it and I haven't found a ton. Um, is it harder? Hey, it's kind of difficult to say because now we're kind of getting these are more physical threats right so graphene os's threat model primarily focuses on combating zero days we don't necessarily consider a zero day to be a physical threat um so i that might be more of a question for uh mr mckay who manages the graphene project um I don't want to say yes or no, but I know Graphene's, like, their threat model isn't as focused on physical threat. Because I feel like once you lost that, once the device is taken from you, you know you've lost agency of the device. So it's kind of like, you know, maybe you can wipe it remotely, but I don't know of a, fun of a phone that doesn't really have that function. So it's kind of hard for me to say. Um, I've, I've talked with um, 
I've talked, not talked, but I've, I've had conversations with, uh, McKay. I, I can ask him. I'm happy to defer. He's very knowledgeable about operating systems and stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Is that the same person who runs the, like, graphing Twitter? Is that the same person that would be? Yeah, um... he, he generally manages it. Um, yeah, I'll just ask him. Now, he might send me a long thread about all this stuff, but, you know. I'll ask him. Yeah, no, he's lovely. I think I've spoken to him a few times in DMs before. Um, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. No, thank you. Robbie, always a pleasure, man. And thank you with uh, helping out with Monerotopia so far. Robbie's been helping us out a little bit behind uh, trying to market it, get the word out. Uh, who else we we got? Anybody else want to chime in? Any other questions? All right, guys. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up. Ashley, thank you so much. This was amazing. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, this is one of our, our better spaces. This is, this is great. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, any, any last words you want to put out there? Any information you want people to know? We're obviously avoid the hack. Uh, what is it? Is it avoidthehack.com? Your URL, yes, etc. Get the word it's out. It's avoidthehack.com. Um, I thank you guys. Um, I hope I've shared some knowledge. I, I know the Monero community tends to be more of like the techies. Um, so I hope I, I hope I've answered like questions to your like satisfaction. Yeah, I, I'm pretty reachable on Mastodon and Twitter. Um, you can also email me. Um, but yeah, I hope everybody stays as private and secure as possible. And you know, we're really in this fight together because your privacy actually affects my privacy. So awesome. Yeah, no, I know I personally learned a lot today. You know, I'm, I'm Monero focused, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't implement the best privacy practices in all other of my, you know, all of the tech usage. So for me personally, it was very informative. Greatly appreciate it. You broke it down no. nicely. Well, thank um, you. Uh, my specialty is web exploitation. So if you guys got any questions on that front, I got you. But, um, yeah, but if it's like cryptocurrency, hey, I'm a noob. So we're, we're, we're all noobs about most things, right? You can, only, <laughs> you can only concentrate on so much. I know uh, a lot about a little. And it was a pleasure talking. You know, I send everybody a, that that's okay, a friend request or whatever. And uh, make sure you uh, check out what I sent you, though. Will do, man. Will do. Thank you, Lip. Thank you, everybody. Uh, anybody who's just kind of listening for the first time, we do these shows every week. We're throwing a conference down in Mexico City. It's a Monero conference. Did our first one in Miami last year. This one is in Mexico City. Super accessible. Uh, very cheap once you get down there. We have an amazing conference set up so far. It's just kind of getting better and better by the day. So if you go to Monerotopia.com, you can super cheap. It's like $99 for general admission. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much, guys. Cheers. Everybody have a good weekend. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this week's Monerotopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram group. See you all next week.